Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Now you heard that fight song. That means we're going to Birmingham, Alabama, and Lindy's Magazine very own Lynn Scarborough. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Uh, hey, Nick. And I tell you, I was actually going to mention, that's a great segue in, uh, baseball and softball get started this week. This is, a, this is an unusual uh, uh, time. Uh, in fact, it's next couple of weeks because you're in the heart of the basketball season with uh, men's and women's basketball. You start uh, uh, women's softball, men's baseball, and you've just had uh, football recruiting, which is still going to be a hot topic. So uh, you've got all three of the, the major college sports in our area that, uh, you know, that are big. And, and uh, what start off with you mentioned in softball, four SEC teams uh, in the top ten again, uh, LSU, uh, Alabama, Auburn, and Florida. And, um, and so you've got four, you've got at least four uh, SEC teams that are legitimate national championship contenders. And um, they, uh, they start, I believe, on the 7th. I think it's, maybe it's next weekend when yeah, it starts. Yeah, next weekend starts. to get started. That's right. You know, and, and so, so once, once again, that's a, that's a sport where, um, you know, where the SEC takes the forefront. You know, they need to uh, – some of these teams need to be glad they don't have, like, uh, water polo teams and men's gymnastic teams and uh, wrestling anymore, that kind of thing, because uh, the way that the SEC does in the game, in the sports that they do uh, participate in, uh, if they did it, they'd figure out a way to get some teams toward the top. Well, and that's one thing that I was talking to Mark Montgomery. He is the head coach of the Lady Texter program here and actually is a University of Kentucky graduate. And, you know, I told him that you look at the scope of, you know, the SEC had this influx of money and where are they going to put it. And, you know, Title IX, you came in because, Lim, when I went, and no, they didn't have it when you went because they didn't have it when I enrolled in, in college. It, it's relatively, a, a, a relative speaking, it is a new sport in the SEC, and that is softball, and certainly in just a short years, they've gone to uh, dominate the sport. Oh yeah, I mean, if you look if you look back over history, and you look at the teams that have been the most dominant in the uh, in the sport, you're going to find UCLA and uh, and Southern Cal, the Arizona teams, uh, because those were the teams that were putting all the emphasis in it. Since the Southeastern Conference really got serious about it, uh, say ten years ago, uh, they're the, they're the dominant team. I mean, there's a dominant conference. I mean, there's one time, uh, you know, back in the late 1990s, uh, there was a year when four SEC teams win the a college baseball World Series, all four from the Western Division, Mississippi State, uh, Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, all made it to the, uh, to the uh, baseball World Series at one time. And uh, you've had four SEC uh, softball teams make it now. And, uh, and you've had a number of teams that have, that have made it, a number of different teams have have made it to the uh, to the College War series, and uh, then you like I say you got I think you at least got four maybe more that are contenders to make it to the World Series, and I, I think I think all four of the teams I named are, are legit champ, uh, uh, contenders to play for the national championship. Well, I'm going to turn to talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine and probably a frigid Birmingham, Alabama this morning. 20, 29 degrees, Nick, on the back porch, 29 well, degrees. Well, we sent it to you. The donut man sent the cold weather your way because he knew how much you enjoyed it. Uh, well, we appreciate it. 
I want to turn to one because we talk about we're going to talk recruiting, and I know that Lindy's Magazine partners with 24-7 on their recruiting rankings, and we're going to talk about that. But first I want to talk about an um, interesting development out of Baton Rouge, a player that you're familiar with and coach you're familiar with, actually left Auburn and went to LSU for one year, and that's a Damian Craig being relieved of his duties in Baton Rouge uh, the day after National Signing Day. Yeah, well, the the only thing that's that, that's funny there, and I don't I don't mean it to be critical of Coach Orgeron. Other coaches have have pulled kind of stunts like this as well. Um, I don't think you're always doing your your recruits fair. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, you know they the signing signing day ends at uh, you know what five five o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, and and two of your coaches are uh, lose their jobs twenty four hours later, thirty six hours later. I, I'm sure that. Uh, Everything didn't finish on Wednesday, and all of a sudden, Coach Orgeron gets up on Thursday morning and says, "Hey, I think I'll dismiss these two coaches." Um, so I think, in a way, and I'm, again, I'm not—I am kind of being critical of him, but not just of him because he's certainly in the Lone Ranger, uh, you know, having having done that. But other than that, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you got a coach that comes in in the middle of the year, um, and I think uh, Coach O is absolutely within his rights to do that. And uh, how many times do you see a coach come in? Uh, that is a uh, a new coach, whether he's brought up through the staff or or a coach is brought in brand new, and he doesn't want to bring in some of his own guys. So I don't, I'm not criticizing him at all about that. I, I understand that, and um, you know, and and I I'd, I'd heard some rumblings that uh, that that Coach Craig, uh, you know, might not be a as good a fit down there as they as they thought, and I know that the you know without getting into the details that had kind of been the case at Auburn, and so. Um, you know, so it doesn't, doesn't surprise me, and, it, and it's and it's not unusual that a that a new coach would want to, uh, in his first full year, to be uh, to be in that position. He'd want to get his own people in there. Right, and I know I'll say this in defense of both staffs where Damian Craig was. I know that at Auburn there was a uh, he wanted to be an offensive coordinator, and Rhett Lashley held that position. And then in Baton Rouge, I think he wanted the offensive coordinator position as well. And that's something I think that your first OC position is not going to be. In the SEC, normally, I mean, you're going to have to go to a uh, smaller league and, and work your way up to get that position. In most case, in most cases, most cases that's, probably, yes. that's probably been the truth. All right, let's talk. Let's talk recruiting because I know that Lindy's and it's really 24/7 is one, I guess, because of my relationship with you, and I know that Lindy's uh, partners with 24/7, so therefore I tend to lean that way on their recruiting rankings uh, as well. But certainly uh, the big winners and uh, I think the big losers in uh, overall recruiting uh, this past week. Well, several several things to point out about this, and, and there's enough stats and stuff we can go into here to almost take the rest of the rest of the program. Let's just take it right off the top, and there's several angles to take on this. One is the position of the Southeastern Conference. Um you hear all the all the criticism of the SEC and the, and people saying, well, looks like the other conferences are caught up with them now. Uh, ACC is better than them now. Uh, the Big Ten's about to catch them. Uh, you know, is the SEC is it getting ready to bottom out on them? Are they getting ready to have a downslide now? And those other conferences be up there. I can see why those other conferences would hope that's the truth. I can see why uh, fans around the country um, sort of the same same uh, mindset. Why more people are pulling for the Falcons than New England Patriots? Because the New England Patriots will be their fifth championship and first time Atlanta played in it in 20 years, uh, you kind of get tired of the same guys being there all the time. <clears throat> and I understand when I travel around the country, uh, the SEC—you don't have a lot of SEC fans in different parts of the country unless they went to the SEC schools. 
people are tired of that and I understand why they want that to be the case. And, and you might make a case this year that uh, the ACC called them because of Clemson and Florida State. Um, but I am holding right now, I'm just going to read down the top 12 teams. Um, in 24-7, of course, it does their own rankings. But then they're the ones that does the 24-7 composite for the individual player rankings that we'll, that we'll have in, included in what we do in our, in our magazine. And they also do a composite ranking of, uh, of the classes based on the top four, based on uh, uh, ESPN, Scout, Rivals, and 24-7. They do the, the cumulative of those. And here's your top 12. Alabama's number one, Ohio State's two, Georgia's three, Southern Cal four, Michigan five, Florida State six, LSU seven, Oklahoma eight, Auburn nine, Florida ten, Notre Dame 11, Texas A&M 12. Okay, there's your top dozen. I stopped there because you got 128 teams that play at the at this level, at the level that's that's considered the old the old Division One level. And so, if you take the top 10 percent, that's going to basically be 12 of them. So I stopped at the dozen. All right, here's what you take out of that dozen. Notre Dame is not in a conference; they're an independent, so they represent the independence with one. All right, you got the four four of the Big Five, four of the Power Five. Big 12 has one, ACC has one, Pac 12 has one. Big Ten has two. SEC has six. Half of the top 12 teams in the country are SEC teams. Four of them are SEC West teams. What that means is that all other Power Five teams combined only could equal what the SEC has. The SEC West alone had twice as many as the entire Big Ten and had as many as the, as the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC all combined. So unless the recruiters, the recruiting analysts, are way, way off base, the SEC is not going anywhere. Uh, if anything, they're getting stronger in comparison to the other conferences. And the coaching staffs at the SEC are certainly as competent as they are at other schools. So I would say the big winner overall is the Southeastern Conference. Now, there's a different way to look at this. The, the way that it's done in coming up with these rankings is by total points. So that let's say you sign X number of players and X number of four stars and X number of three and X number of fives. We add up those total number of points, and then you divide them. You don't divide them out. You have a, a point total number. Well, Alabama signed 29 guys. Michigan signed 30. Tennessee and Maryland, 28 each. That's a topic for another discussion of, of how they skirt the rules and, and the way that uh, people are doing things, some of which I don't agree with. But Alabama, Michigan, Tennessee do that. So they've got a lot more players. Therefore, if you've got more players and it's done by total points, then obviously you've got a better chance to be uh, up, at, up at the top because you're getting more players. So 24-7 also does the average rating per player, which in a sense is a more fair way to do it, to see the quality of player that you're getting. For example, and this is another point to be made in a minute, Clemson only signed 14 players. Now, you always say, well, what's the bounce coming off of a national championship? Well, Clemson only signed 14. Stanford only signed 14. But three of Stanford's were five-star players. Uh, so if you look at it by the quality of player, not the total number of points, the number one team in recruiting this year was Ohio State. 
by really a pretty comfortable margin over Alabama. Alabama second, Georgia third, Stanford fourth, Clemson fifth. Stanford and Clemson in there didn't sign but 14 players, but their quality of player is so high that Stanford finished fourth and Clemson fifth. Southern Cal, your buddy Clay Helton, sixth. LSU 7th, Michigan 8th, Florida State 9th, Oklahoma 10th, Auburn 11th, and Notre Dame 12th. So you still got five SEC teams in there, and the SEC still looks strong. But it's a little different slant to it when you look at the, the quality of player brought in as opposed to the quantity of player brought in. Now, all of these teams I've named here, all of them brought in quality. Bringing in the, the quantity portion uh, aspect of it doesn't diminish the fact that all of these teams brought in very good players. But there's just two different, you know, two different ways that you can evaluate in coming up with who really had the, had the, uh, the best recruiting class. Absolutely. We're talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in a frigid 29-degree Birmingham, Alabama. And, Lynn, we look at recruiting, we go with a 24-7. And certainly, how did uh, – two questions. How did Lindy's come to be a uh, partner with a 24-7? And also, a lot of talk out of uh, – <laughs> Oxford, Mississippi. We've got Rodney that comes every week, and he's got his Ole Miss uh, gear on. Certainly Ole Miss took a hit, and it's one with, to me, the NCAA needs to remove that cloud and make a decision on if there are any penalties for Ole Miss and move on, because I think it certainly affected uh, Hugh Freeze and the recruiting efforts out of Oxford. Yeah, I agree, and I will come back to your first question uh, if we have time uh, before the end of the show today. Uh, I agree. I think that Ole Miss um, and Ole Miss did, they picked up a little bit. They got up, uh, I believe, Nick, I think they got up to 30th. I'm going to look right now. 30th, yeah, 12th in the SEC, 30th overall, you're correct. 30th overall. I'm looking at the, the 24-7 composite, and they moved up to 30th. Uh, so they did help themselves some. But And, and here's the thing, just to, to make the point, uh, Ole Miss being 30th in the, in the country, that means they're in the top 25% of all schools. So you'd think that's really good, but that, that makes them almost almost at the bottom of their of their own conference, and does put them at the bottom of their uh, of their division. So you can you can have a top twenty five percent of the classes in the country, and you're losing ground horribly in your in your own division. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I don't think there's any question that schools uh, use that against Ole Miss. Now, it's not a unique thing for Ole Miss. You know, Alabama and Auburn have been in those positions. Alabama's been in it a number of times in recent history. People, people forget, you know, because you've had uh, eight really strong years from, uh, from Coach Saban's uh, uh, under his tenure. But, uh, but before that, for the, for the decade before that, Alabama was a very mediocre team and, um, and went through five coaches in like eight years. Uh, so, and, and the reason was because they were under the, you know, they had two, two significant probations, and people would use that against them. And they do that, you know, that's, that's a, a common thing around the country. If you've got teams uh, that, are, that are under, under uh, a cloud, hey, North Carolina's had it, Miami's had it, uh, Ole Miss has got it now, Baylor, look at, look at Baylor's situation. They're down at like 39th. Um, and you're, you're starting to have people say, uh, ask, should the Big 12 suspend them from a year, for a year, and, uh, and bring in Houston uh, to take their place. I saw a column on that yesterday. And... Uh, it's just it's done. It's not fair necessarily. Uh, you know, you're going to go to a guy and, and say to him, uh, you know, you want to sign at Ole Miss, and uh, they may be uh, banned from bowl games. Uh, they may uh, not be able to have as many scholarships, so they're not going to have as many players. Therefore, they're going to 
uh, not be as competitive, not win as many games, you're not going to get as much visibility. Do you really want to go there? Um, I mean, that's a legitimate question to ask a player, but the reason they're able to ask it is because it's taking so long for this cloud to be either removed. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to penalize them, let's go ahead and get it done. And it's been the same with a number of other schools. So, so yeah, I think Coach Freeze is justified in his, uh, in his criticism. I, I don't know that I would have gone public with, with what he had to say, but, um, but, I, but I agree with him. I think that that's, uh, that that's been used against, against Ole Miss, <clears throat> and I think that's why you see where they are. The, the, there were three teams, really there were probably five or six, but there were three that helped themselves the most on, uh, on signing day. One, the one that helped itself the most was Florida. Florida was in the high 20s in the, in the rankings going into signing day, and they moved all the way up to number 10 in, uh, in, in the uh, composite rankings. So that's, a, that's a, quite a move for Florida. Uh, the, the next two that moved up the most, uh, you got contacts in both ways. Uh, one of them, Mississippi State. Uh, they moved up. Uh, I have to find where they were. But they moved up substantially. The only team that moved up further than they did, Mississippi State, is 24th. So the the only team that moved up more spaces than them in the 24/7 rankings on signing day was Florida, and then uh, and then Clay, uh, Southern Cal. Uh, Southern Cal came from. I mean, they're already doing pretty well, but they jumped all the way up to fourth in the country, Um, and they're they're fourth in terms of uh, in terms of the overall uh, ranking, and they're they're sixth in terms. Of the average player ranking, so those those three teams uh, helped themselves the most in uh, what they what they did on signing day. Uh, you know, Mississippi, Ole Miss people would, would raise the question: Well, did Mississippi State take advantage of what other teams are using against Ole Miss? And maybe so, but uh, but congratulations to uh, to Florida and Ole Miss and Mississippi State for for moving up, and congratulations to the overall SEC for once again. Uh, Staking its staking its claim and making a pretty clear case for being the uh, the conference that uh, that's probably got the brightest future if if these guys are anywhere close to right on their analysis of the players. Well, I want to tell you, number one, talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful, frigid Birmingham, Alabama. First of all, you you have to say something positive about Mississippi State every week to get the donut man. The donut man is a fan. Okay, you don't have to keep complimenting. Well, but on, but look, State. only if there's something positive. I haven't mentioned, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their women's basketball keeps doing good. Yep. So I, I'm going to mention that. And, um, but, you know, there are some aspects I haven't been mentioning. But, uh, but, I, but I, I will, when, when Mississippi State does good, I will make sure that we bring that into the conversation. It makes my day every time you come on. He, earlier they played the Mississippi State fight song. I thought he was going to have a fit. Can you believe we're playing the Mississippi State? <laughs> so I am glad when you come on here at least to have a friend in you. Well, I, I like the Mississippi State fight song. I, re, I you know, we got some really good fight songs in the SEC. Yes, we do. The, I like Kentucky's. I like, uh, I, of course, I like Georgia Tech. You like Rocky Tide. Yeah, I, I, love, I love Georgia Tech. You like Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's got two, got two really good songs. I love uh, Hey, Georgia does too. Between the Hedges is a great song, and then, Glory, glory to old Georgia, which is the same as what Auburn does. Glory, glory to old Auburn. Yeah. Um, but you got you got some really great fight songs in the conference. I like Arkansas. That, that, I, you got a lot of good fight songs. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have just that. that that's what we run most of the time. Uh, and uh, in between is the uh, fight songs. I want to turn to talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn, I want to turn over to. 
two recruiting classes that were exceptionally well in Conference USA. You look at two relatively newcomers, but you go back and play with their experience in the Southeastern Conference and being a head coach. That's Lane Kiffin. He had a video that wasn't very inspirational, but it certainly proved his point as Florida Atlantic gets the number one recruiting class in Conference USA, and right beneath that, Frank Wilson, who spent time at LSU uh, as recruiting coordinator for the Tigers and has Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, with the number two recruiting class in Conference USA. And this, again, of course, is based on 24-7 recruiting. Yeah, I mean, got to keep it perspective. The, the uh, Florida Atlantic had the top recruiting class in, the, in, the, uh, in Conference USA, and they were 72nd overall. You know, so, I mean, I was keep it perspective. However, they got 15 players that were three-star players. Um, that's strong, uh, particularly for a non-Power 5 team. And it is out, there's no other way to attribute it than to the fact that Lane Kiffin's down there. Uh, you know, there are his name recognition, the fact that he's been a head coach at Southern Cal, he's been a head coach at Tennessee. Uh, you got a guy that's been a head coach at two different Power 5 schools, and you're selling to a young man going down and living in Florida. And so... Uh, that's a strong. That's a strong uh, thing to be able to do. Hey, Florida International even came out better than what they, you know, what they normally do. Not as, as good as Florida Atlantic. Uh, the one I give even more credit to is is Texas San Antonio. <clears throat> they finished like 74th, I think, or 75th, or something like that. Um, <clears throat> but they got 18 three-star players, and you know, and 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 while he is a good head coach, he's not well known like Lane Kiffin is, and uh, so. Uh, kudos to both of them in being able to bring in those kind of classes. I was not really surprised that Florida Atlantic uh, had the best recruiting class in the conference. I was surprised that Texas San Antonio was second and uh, and came in right behind Florida Atlantic. Now San Antonio, it's a great it's a great town. I'm not trying to put them down at all. Probably one of my favorite towns in the country. Hold up, over uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Over Manhattan, Kansas. Well, I don't know about that now. I mean, I mean, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Manhattan, Kansas, but but San Antonio's got this great town, and um, you, you you can sell San Antonio. Thing is, you you can sell San Antonio to old historical people uh, like me. Uh, you can sell Florida better to a to a young kid in high school, and um, and they obviously they you know they did that. Uh, absolutely, talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Now, Lynn, I would like to know. How in the world of, of all the uh, recruiting? I mean, there's several. There's scouts. There's rivals. There's 24/7. Uh, you work for and the best uh, college football magazine in existence. There's no trip. I cannot go to the beach without taking a copy of Lindy's. So how does uh, Lindy's come to say, you know what? Of all these, we're going to choose to go with 24/7. Well, I'll give you a little bit of history on this. Um, we've been doing this, of course, a long time. We've been doing this over 30 years. And, uh, in fact, we're going on, goodness, going 35 years uh, in doing this. And we started out working with Super Prep. And uh, Super, but this was before you got into the, uh, the days of, of digital and, and websites and so on. Super Prep, of course, has a website now. But back then, they didn't. And you had Max Preps and Super Prep and those guys. And they did, uh, they did uh, uh, you know, printed, printed booklets and, uh, and sent out the updates. And so we partnered with Super Prep who did that with us. Uh, a number of years ago, we moved to Rivals, uh, and we worked with Rivals as our, as our uh, partner on this for a number of years. Uh, we have never done our – we did one time, Nick, about probably 30 years ago, 20, 25 to 30 years ago, we did our own recruiting magazine one time and realized 
that that was not our uh, uh, bailiwick. It, it wasn't where we were the strongest, and we would do better to partner with somebody who spends uh, more or less full time on that, which is what changed our perspective on on how to do that. Uh, so we went with rivals, and uh, we went with rivals for a number of years. Uh, the uh, the two guys that were the the primary owners of of rivals, Shannon Terry, uh, an Alabama graduate, uh, and Bobby Burton, a uh, Texas Longhorn graduate, and um, it's. It is my responsibility. I'm in charge of this for Lindy's. Uh, I don't do any recruiting rankings, but the uh, compiling of the information, making sure that we're uh, getting stuff from our partner, uh, uh, being uh, looking, overlooking the editing of that, getting the player information about all the individual players that are in our regional magazines, and setting up that arrangement is, 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 falls under my responsibility. So uh, uh, Bobby Burton, a longtime friend of mine, and I, uh, we worked out the arrangement with rivals. And uh, they sold rivals, as you know, a number of years ago and had a non-compete clause uh, that they could not uh, compete against them for a couple of years, and they didn't. And uh, once that non-compete uh, was over, they opened 24-7 sports. And I had, uh, had been talking with them and stayed in touch with them that uh, when, uh, when it came the opportunity to do that, that we would go back and, uh, and give them an opportunity to work with Lindy's. And so we did that a number of years ago. Uh, so it's a, a matter of their... Certainly, the, uh, their professionalism and their expertise, uh, having been involved in this for so long, and also a personal relationship between the, uh, our friendship with the owners of, of 24-7 and, uh, and a good working relationship with their, uh, with their staff, Chad Carson, uh, who's in their office in Nashville, uh, is the guy that coordinates this for us and, and pulls the information together for us. And uh, they'll, be, uh, they'll sign some of their, a couple of their writers to... To pull that together, we give them the categories of information that we want to have, and they provide that to us. We, in turn, uh, make sure that we promote them on shows like yours. Uh, they have uh, ads uh, in our uh, in our in all of our football magazines. We uh, we do a, a trade there, and they get ads in our magazine. They're on our website. <clears throat> You'll see their byline in our in our magazines, giving them credit for being the one that provides that. And uh, it's a it's a mutually beneficial thing for both of us, and it's really beneficial for our audience. Uh, both on radio and in print and on the website, uh, because these guys know what they're doing. They're among the best in the business, and they're the only ones that do these composite rankings. So I really like that, if, even if not for the personal friendship I've got with their owners. Um, the, fact, the fact that they put together these composite rankings that really gives you an overall picture of how everything stands. And, and that probably gives you a better insight than just saying, oh, this is what 24-7 does, or this is what Rivals does, or this is what ESPN does. Uh, 24-7 puts it together so you can kind of see a consensus and, and know. And it's you know, interesting to me that, that, that in the consensus, uh, that 24-7 composite ranking, the consensus ranking, is where you've got six of the uh, SEC teams and the top 12 teams. So you're not just using one, one person's opinion. You're really able to give an overview of the supposed experts in the industry. To be able to make your case. Now they do not. They do not uh, have a printed publication, do they? Twenty-four-seven. To the best of my knowledge, they don't. Okay. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. If they, if they do, I don't get it. Put it that way. I don't think they do. I think they just do it on strictly online. But I like the way they do the composite and go through. Right. Certainly interesting how they come up with all of the rankings. Well, last thing we'll touch on real quick is uh, SEC basketball again. Uh, same week uh, and same tune, just a different week, and that is uh, looking at Florida. South Carolina and Kentucky. Yeah, well, it is. Um, you got you got an interesting situation coming up here. You know, you've got a middle group of uh, of uh, t- 
Tennessee, Mississippi State, Georgia, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Texas A&M. I'm reading down them that have got anywhere from four to six losses, and they start playing each other. You know, Tennessee plays, plays at Mississippi State. Uh, you know, both of those teams need a win. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt are in that group. Those teams need a win. Um, you know, A&M has already beaten LSU by somewhere between 20 and 30 points. Well, A&M plays at LSU today. Uh, will LSU be able to, to flip that back? Auburn plays at Alabama today. Auburn's already beaten Alabama by 20 points. Will Alabama be able to flip that on, on them? Uh, Alabama needs to do that badly because their next two games are Kentucky and South Carolina. And they lost by 20 to Arkansas the night before last. So this is a, this is a weekend when the, those teams in that group between about number uh, four and number uh, 12 in the conference are only within a couple of games of each other. And they, you're going to kind of have the, the dust start clearing there in the games played today and in the games played on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then at the top, you got Kentucky going to Florida. So if Kentucky beats Florida, then Florida's two games down um, and, and probably not going to be able to catch Kentucky. South Carolina, on the flip side, has got Georgia coming in. Uh, Georgia's another one of those teams in the middle, and, uh, and South Carolina could put Georgia behind the eight ball there. If South Carolina were to win and then Kentucky go to Florida and Florida hold true in its home court, then you got South Carolina sitting alone at the top of the, uh, of the SEC men, and look where they are in the women as well. So once again, uh, South Carolina's in a position to make the case that they're the strongest basketball program in the league right now. All right, Lynn, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10. All right, guys, see you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes, on Stitcher, or at redpeachsports.com.